Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I talk with my friend Laura from Misbehavior Training. We're both parents, and so we have a great time talking about fun and safe games that kids can play with dogs. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Laura. I'm so happy you're here with us today for the Pooch Parenting Podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I know. Well, I am so happy that podcasts exist because it's helped me to meet so many cool people. So I heard about you on another podcast and I instantly knew that I had to reach out to you because we had a lot in common. We both work with families who have dogs and kids. Um, We're both parents among lots of other things. And so Uh, We both also really love to collaborate with other dog trainers and know that we're better together. So it was great. You were super receptive and now I feel like we're pals. So I think that's really cool. So thank you for that. Thank you. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and then we'll get in and start talking about some fun ways that kids and dogs can interact together. Perfect. Love it. Uh, So my name is Laura Gendron, and I run Misbehavior, which I started in 2008. And so, you know, group classes, I did the whole group class thing. I did um, private training, and I kind of mixed them both together. This was pre-kids. And then once I had my daughter, who's now just about nine, um, I decided that group classes were going to be a bit much for my schedule because, as you know, most um, pet parents, dog parents need availability on nights and weekends, and that's when I wanted to be with the family. So that made it a little difficult. So then I moved over to one-on-one training where I would go to people's homes, and I did that up until COVID, really. So up mm-hmm. until you know March 2020, and. Um, I was at a conference and I was really excited to be there. And then I found out I had to fly home early <laughs> and then I stopped doing in-home stuff at that point. And I was like, I don't really know how to pivot this. Like, yeah. I'm not really sure what to do. Yeah. Um, so then I decided to get into the online space. I started doing Zoom consult one-on-one and then from there, I decided why stick to one-on-one? Why not try to reach, you know, many more people? So then I created a membership and all that. But meanwhile, yeah. I have had my kids home um, almost the whole time. They just started going back to school in the hybrid fashion mm-hmm. most weeks, not all weeks. And um, so I have a six-year-old and an almost nine-year-old, six-year-old son and almost nine-year-old daughter. And my daughter wants to be a dog trainer when she grows up too, which has been really fun um, to have her home to like help me with a bunch of this stuff. She's remarkable. I just need to say, cause I've had the, the benefit of seeing some videos of her in action and they're remarkable. And I'm hoping that in the show notes, we can share one of her videos or more. Um, I really love one that she did recently about a consent test where we talk a lot about how do you know if a dog actually wants to be petted? And she explains it beautifully. She's so articulate and it's a really excellent demonstration. So 
I'm hoping, you know, with her permission and yours, we um, that we can that we can share her consent test video. Um, yes, yeah, she would love that. She's yeah. she wants to be a little, you know, a little YouTube star, a little. She's like following my footsteps well, for all this all this media stuff. So, well, I that. think it's great, and I think there's plenty of adult trainers on YouTube, but I think she can get an early start as a child mm -hmm. who's able to. Um, explain things in a way that other kids will understand. You know, she's not going to judge other kids for making bad choices because she knows that when you're a kid, you don't know better and you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. And so that's why you and I have so much work to do because we support parents to help them know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was funny because when she was making that consent test video, she was doing it with my dog Willow. And normally Willow, you know, when she pets her, if she stops petting her after a few seconds, Willow comes back for more. But for whatever reason that day, she didn't. And Julia just kind of rolled with it. And she's just like, so this is why I don't want to pet her again, because she's doing this and this. And she was totally not expecting that to happen. But she just went with it. And I was really proud of her for doing that. So well, I mean, the go with the flow attitude was amazing, but also the fact that she was able to articulate that a dog who looks away or a dog who moves away is asking for space. And I think that um, that's kind of a dream behavior. You and I see this a lot, actually, when we have clients who um, we get dogs who are often in conflict because the dog wants to be near the parent, but not necessarily near the child. And the dog doesn't really move away, even though they're uncomfortable. And so there's a super common misconception that a dog will move away if he doesn't want to put up with the toddler anymore. And often that results in a bite down the line because the parent is just convinced that the dog is capable of making these choices. Right, right. So yeah, it happens a lot. And I mean, she has been I swear, since before she could talk, I mean, her first word was definitely dog. Um, <laughs> but before she could talk, I feel like I've been telling her like, oh, watch out for yawning, watch out for this. So much so that sometimes she'd like, she's like, oh, she just yawned. What does that mean? Oh, that means this. And then she'll tell her brother. And then of course it turns into a thing. So it's so funny. I just feel like I've been instilling it in, for, in her for so long that it's almost like her second language at this point with dogs. So, so let's turn this into a teachable moment since you're talking about yawning. Mm -hmm. So, um, Talk to me about what we look for. A yawn can just be a yawn, right? But how do we know when it's not? Yeah, so I just, you know, what I teach people and what I've taught her and everybody is just looking at the big picture. So, you know, if you have a dog who, if the context is that they're just, maybe they just woke up and they just let out this long, you know, <laughs> dramatic yawn. My old dog used to do that big wine at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, it's this release of tension in them, but why are they releasing tension? It could be because they just woke up or because they're tired and they truly are getting ready to go take a nap, or it could be because they're uncomfortable in a situation. So if you look at it as the yawn is a way to just release some tension, I think then you can look at the bigger picture and be like, okay, well, why is she releasing tension right now? So we look context. at the context. Yeah, okay. exactly. So context. Yeah. So I think that that's really helpful to know, right? I think lip licks are another example of mm -hmm. a body language that shows that a dog might be experiencing some stress. But it's, again, very contextual that um, not all lip licks are created equal and that we then maybe have to survey the room and think, oh, what did my dog notice that maybe I didn't notice? And how can I then intervene and support my dog? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just like with people, right? Or with kids. I mean, there's all kinds of little mannerisms that we have. And some of them 
are more likely, depending on our own personalities, to mean that we're feeling a little bit more anxious. Like some people might twirl their hair, other people might fidget with something in their hand, other people mm -hmm. might, you know, look at the floor more often than other times. So I think it's based on personality too. And as you get to know your own dog better, you, you'll get to know their own personality, but there is also a very general way to look at things and understanding calming signals and displacement signals and stuff like that. Okay. So then it would seem to me then that um, before a family was going to try to play any games or encourage their kids and dogs to have any kinds of interactions, and we'll talk about great ways to do that, but it seems that the adults and if the children are old enough, the kids too, should begin to really truly learn what body language signals to look out for because games are fun and they're amazing if the dog is fully on board and if the dog is super comfortable. So I have this book and I keep it right by my desk. Um, it's by Lily yes. Chin. You and I both have, mm -hmm. we love this book. I share this book everywhere. Um, it's called Doggy Language by Lily Chin. And it's this wonderful little pocket size, a little bigger than pocket size book that's written um, with very easy to understand language and cartoon drawings that show really accurate dog behaviors and context and what it could mean and all of those kinds of things. What I love about this book is that because it's written in cartoon format along with words is that it suits every age person. And it's a really fun like table topics kind of discussion. Like at the dinner table, we can pass around the book and, and everybody can take a turn and open it up to some random page and say, hey, what does this mean? You could quiz people, cover the words mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but it seems like in order to have really positive relationships with your dog and for your kids to have positive relationships with your dog, that's like the very number one step, wouldn't you say, is that we understand how our dog is feeling? Yeah, I, I almost always, whether it's adults or kids or whoever, I almost always start with body language because just again, like with people, like you have to speak a common language and our dogs obviously can't speak English. So we have to, you know, take that next step and we have to learn their language. And, you know, do you have to know every little nitty gritty detail before you work with your dog or play a game with your dog? No, I don't think so. But you need to know when your dog is like whispering the discomfort before they start shouting it at you. Mm -hmm. So way before the growling happens, yeah, you're going to see the tension in their mouth or you're going to, with the lip licking and the, and the tongue flicking, which of course, as I teach people, those are two very different things too, to, mm -hmm. you know, the lip licking is a more relaxed mouth, whereas a tongue flicking is like, like a lizard, you mm -hmm. know, and they tend to have a really tense jaw. Um, but, and, you know, looking at their eyes and their ears, but, and like my daughter says, Sometimes uh, my dog Willow, her ears are back, but the rest of her face and the rest of her body is very relaxed. Mm -hmm. So just because her ears are back doesn't mean that she's not feeling good about something. Right. My old dog does the exact same thing. And, and my son and I had a conversation about it one day because he said, mom, it's really weird that all the stuff you talk about as warning signs, Barley is doing that, <laughs> but she is so soft and happy mm -hmm. Like, so I think you do also really have to know your dog and know, know the situation as to mm -hmm. like, is there anything actually causing stress or is she just kind of weird and maybe, yeah, I don't know, who knows why. Okay. So this is a perfect example, perfect segue. So you've got a foster puppy right now who mm -hmm. tends to jump on children and you've got children. And yet at the same time, we need to try to teach that foster puppy some polite ways to interact with kids while 
he's at your house. So let's talk about a couple games that you're playing with him and your kids, especially your daughter, who is super savvy. Um, let's start with ping pong. And can you describe what is it and how would you play it and how would you help it be safer when you've got, because puppies have sharp teeth. We, there's no way around it. <laughs> yes. So how can you help him not hurt your daughter by accident while we play games together? Yeah. So I think depending on the age of the kids and the maturity of the kids, you know, you can vary it based on that. So I go more by the, I guess, the maturity and the actions of the kids, because yeah. you might have one kid who's relatively calm around the puppy and another kid who's like flailing their arms around all the time, you yeah. know, and it yeah. doesn't matter how old they are. It's just personality based. So yeah. With puppy ping pong, just to kind of explain what that is, um, it's basically a recall game or it's a game that's getting the puppy or the dog, you play this obviously at mm -hmm. any age, but yeah. getting them used to responding to their name or responding to a basic recall type cue to call them back and forth and to tire them out at the same time, which is really nice. Yes. I'm in New Hampshire and we are covered in snow right now. So we have him hopping through the snow <laughs> to really tire him out, which is very nice. Yes. But um, so we started a really close distance and I'm always right there in the middle. And while the puppy is first learning it, especially until I know, like, are they going to just go and grab the treats out of my kid's hands? Do my kids know to just drop the treat on the ground? Stuff like that. Um, I always have the puppy on leash and he's just going back and forth, back and forth between them. And okay. occasionally I'll call him to me too to switch it up. But, um, but for the most part, it's just going back and forth between the kids. And I just have, especially my son, who's shorter, smaller, and um, moves around a lot more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have him just drop the treat for the puppy because he doesn't seem to remember as well to like hold the treat really low down and nice open palm and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Whereas my daughter is much better at that. So I let her do that. So I think it's really important for kids to understand that they do not have to hand the puppy the treat because mm -hmm. also what happens is the puppy goes to grab at it. And even if the kids don't necessarily mind that the puppy grabbed at it, eventually they're going to start like pulling their hand back without even thinking about it. Yeah. You know? And then it's just going to become like, let me see if I can grab this harder from this child sort of game. So I think dropping it on the ground is a really important well, and dogs repeat what they practice. And so if they get really grabby with food, then they'll be more grabby with food next time. So, yep. um, and I do agree with you that sometimes children act in a way that's very involuntary. And so your son, without even thinking about it, might have a treat and raise it above his hand where his arms flail around. And then that's going to cause more jumping, which is the opposite behavior that we want to promote, which would be you're getting a treat not only for arriving at me, but also for keeping either all four feet on the floor or maybe your mm -hmm. touch on the floor if you want, if you were looking for a sit. Um, one way that I've tweaked that game just a little bit, mm -hmm. and you may have also done this as well, is that when the puppy has been successful going back and forth between each child once or twice, then I have each child take a step backwards. Yes. So that makes it, as we know, distance makes things harder, right? And so mm -hmm. It also tests the recall. There's a lot more distractions between point A and point B if point A and point B are farther apart. So um, it can be really fun where we can start this in the kitchen or if you have a hallway where we end up backing up and we end up using the whole entire hallway. And then, you know, if the dog is successful in the house at a distance, then we start real close in the backyard and then again, taking steps backwards and increasing distance there. But it's no problem if the dog is begins to struggle at any particular distance that you take steps back towards each other to help that puppy be more successful. Yeah. And we've played a lot of um, one step beyond that too, especially with my older dog, Willow. We haven't done this with the foster. Well, I 
I just started with the foster puppy this morning, actually, because we're really trying to tire them out, but hide and seek recall. So kind of like puppy ping pong, but you know, they're hiding behind something or, um, you know, under something or whatever it is. Using that too. I do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause I had to, I was doing a games thing with my membership and um, I ended up making one and it ended up being really cute because I had my son was hiding behind a curtain and all that but with the understanding that also popping out at your puppy or popping out at your dog could be scary so you want to obviously build up to that you want to make sure that you're again you're watching that body language is your dog actually enjoying this or is there some sort of um, tension in there and also knowing again knowing your child and knowing your child's development because I don't think every six-year-old would be suitable to hide alone without a parent and have a dog come and find them because they may do something unexpected and and we're not maybe around the corner or in the closet or behind the curtain Mm -hmm. to see how the dog's reacting in that particular moment. So I do think that that's a great example of a game where knowing your kid and um, knowing how capable they are of reading body language or whatever. And, and it's also, you know, no shame in supervising, like literally standing there in their mm-hmm. hiding spot with them. Um, that's okay. It's less cool for the kids because they're like not hiding alone. And, um, but it is interesting. Some kids come up with like the kookiest hiding places that are sometimes too hard for the dog, like inside a kitchen cabinet or some random thing mm-hmm. like that. Um, so again, we try not to build frustration as well, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, that's definitely important. And always ending on a good note. So, you know, when the dog is still having fun, okay, yeah. let's stop then because we want them to kind of look forward to the next time they can play that game too. Right, I think that's great. So what, um, can you give us, imagine a family um, has has toddlers mm-hmm. and they're really starting to want to build a bond, have the toddler and the dog build a relationship, yet still, you know, of course not um, keeping on the rose colored glasses, right? We understand that toddlers are very unpredictable and very scary to some dogs. So what would be a good game that you could suggest that a young, super young toddler might begin to interact with a dog? doesn't have to be a puppy. It could be any age dog. Any age. So another one that I have played that I've used, there's been a lot of um, variants with, so you could easily do this with a toddler, Um, staying within everyone's comfort zone is basically if you have your dog or your child behind a gate of some sort and you are you are on the same side as one of them Um, typically you are with the dog and then the child is on the other side of the gate and then you add distance between you guys and if your toddler understands at least basic like Simon Says type rules I love playing that because you can control exactly what your child is doing mm-hmm. um, and you know you know what's coming next so you know that if your dog doesn't like when your child jumps up and down don't do that one <laughs> you know yeah. if your dog doesn't like when your child crawls on the ground because you know all of a sudden they were crawling and now they've been walking and now they're crawling again this is weird um, then don't do that one. So I love that Simon says, because you can get your child doing things that are within your dog's comfort zone, but also you can have your dog on leash and behind a gate. So you have that extra barrier just in case your child, you know, makes a sudden move of some sort that your dog doesn't like or anything like that. So having that extra barrier is really nice. Um, and, 
and you are reinforcing your dog for everything that your child does. So if, if you say, you know, Simon says, touch your nose, oh, your dog gets a treat. Simon says, you know, touch your toes, your dog gets a treat. So any sort of movement that your child is doing, you're reinforcing your dog for handling that well and by, you know, taking a look at it and not overreacting to it, stuff like that. And again, you can use distance as much as you want to. So yeah. the, nice. the other thing that I love about the game, the Simon Says game that you just recommended is that it's developmentally super appropriate to a toddler because you're giving them only one direction at a time, right? Yes. You're not saying do this whole sequence of events. You're saying do this one thing. And toddlers, depending on the age, of course, and everybody is, is developmentally different. And we have some kids with delays and whatever. Um, but, but, toddlers of many different ages can follow one direction. Mm -hmm. This is also brings out the teacher in me. Sorry, I have to, I have to geek out on this for one second. It also is a really great opportunity with toddlers to work on language acquisition skills because we're practicing things like body parts and, you know, up and down and descriptive words and all those kinds of things. So we're not just working on helping my dog think that my wiggling toddler is a great thing, right? right. Every time the toddler wiggles, I get paid. That's the dream. But we're also teaching the child so much all at the same time. So anytime something is a win-win like that, I go all crazy for it. Yeah. Um, it goes back to when I had my, my cooking school for children that, um, I, you know, so much of what we did was just so had, multiple layers of learning in terms of literacy and math and stuff like that. And I think with toddlers too, even simple things like, you know, let's count scoops of dog food or mm -hmm. let's count, you know, drips of water or any of those kinds of things are really, really good learning opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, a that's, I've played that um, with my kids multiple times with each new puppy. Cause I was having puppies come over over the summer um, one at a time to do some training. And so we played a lot of games with them and my kids actually helped me create a bunch of games, but that one has been nice just for almost every single puppy or dog that I've had over in some way, shape or form. Cause I've had some that have been a bit more nervous about my kids um, or more nervous of my son versus my daughter or whoever. And um and it's worked for every single dog because you can change up, change up the game so much. You know, you can have, again, change up what your kids are doing, change up how much distance there is, change up how long you're doing it for, stuff like that. And, you know, of course, with young toddlers, whether or not they do it when you actually say Simon Says doesn't matter. It's just that concept of, you know, making it into a nice, fun game for them that right. they can follow. Yeah, I mean, this this is so helpful because I think, any parent who's listening to this is going to be so relieved that, oh my gosh, I, even though Michelle is constantly saying that my kids and dogs need to be separated, Michelle is also saying with Laura's help, they can still have a relationship. They can still interact, right? That we need to set everybody up for success. And of course, management is a gigantic portion of that, but we're not saying that they can't do stuff together. Right. I think the biggest thing is just um, make like being intentional about it. So we're intentionally getting ahead of what's what's the behavior that we're expecting is going to happen from the child. What's the behavior that we're looking for in the dog? And are we setting things up to be safe using leashes, gates, stuff like that? Right. Um, and, you know, so I think that's the biggest thing is just being really, really intentional about it. Yeah, I think that's so, so helpful. Do you have um, any last last thoughts on maybe a game, maybe one of the ones your kids helped to develop. Cause I love how kid brains work. They're so smart. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we've done a lot of obstacle course type stuff, but one of the first ones we did, and this was actually inspired by when they first started um, back in March or April, when they first started their remote schooling stuff and they were sent home with their, um, their activities that they should do at home to stay active. And they got, you know, like a, like spell out your name. So if your name is Julia, J is this, like do five jumping jacks. U is this other thing. L is this other thing. And so they ended up creating this um, alphabet of different exercises that, you know, the dogs could do. And they would basically spin um, like spin a wheel or something like that and then pick a word. And we've also done a variation of that where we have a, um, like a half full water bottle and they would take sticky notes and they would take like 10 sticky notes and put them in a circle on the ground. And then they'd take the water bottle and they'd spin it in the middle and it would end up who knows where, but <laughs> for the most part, it would point at one of the sticky notes and then they would have the dog do that task. And it was just kind of a nice way for them to like, while I'm right there, the dog is then performing this thing. So needless to say, my dog Willow got a lot of practice this past year because I only have one dog of my own, but we'd also play it when other dogs came to visit and it was super fun for them. So give me some examples of what some of the sticky notes said, because some of these dogs, you don't know what they can actually do, right? Right. So it would depend on the dog, but like, so, I mean, pretty basic things. So like sit or um, lay down, those were two big ones that we would work on. Um, And then maybe a trick of choice. Uh, And sometimes they would just write down like any trick they read on the sticky note. And then just depending on what the dog knew, we could do that. We did some hand targeting type stuff, you know, where they touch your hand with their nose um, you know, a basic weight while they put a piece of food on the ground, stuff like that. So it really depending on the skill level of the dog. So what we tend to do is just new sticky note, you know, set up for every single dog. Um, but in some dogs, it was easier than with others. I'll be honest. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but they had a lot of fun with that. Cause of course they love spinning the bottle. My dog Willow had to work on um, staying in one spot while they were to spin the bottle because she really loves to play with bottles. So that uh, was a skill. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So that was one that they really loved. Um, you know, they've done like obstacle courses where they set up like a chain of behaviors. So you have to jump over this and it would just be a household object, Yeah. you know, anything. And then yeah. you have to sit on a mat and then do like maybe three different things in a row. And of course I'd help them with that because Willow would just be all over the place and the puppies of course would be all over the place. So we had to make it, keep it fun. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know, of course it comes as no su- surprise with my food experience that I'm famous for like pulling out kitchen like cooking pots and turning yeah. them upside down and having them turn into little platforms that they can either stand on or put paws on or things like that. I think yeah. it's hilarious that you have a dog appropriate spin the bottle game though. I think yes. they're going to be like, spin the bottle. That's not how I thought we played spin the bottle. Yeah, I know. So we called it, they called it, um, I think it was like a wheel of fortune sort of thing. Okay. But yeah, there was one day that my husband came home. The kids were like, oh, we, we played spin the bottle with Birdie today. Birdie being one of the puppies. He's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was like, okay, it's a training game. It's fine. <laughs> He's like, oh no, what's mom up to these days? Exactly. <laughs> we have to have a chat after dinner, kids. Mm-hmm. Go, go hang out in your room while mom and I have a chat. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. too young for this type of game. Yep, yep. <laughs> hilarious that is so funny so um I think we should wrap this up because you have your foster puppy to get back to who is hanging out with your daughter so I really want to respect your time but please tell people where they can find out more about you 
And I will link to all those things in the show notes. Perfect. So my main website is misbehaviortraining.com. Two S's in miss, like the person. Mm-hmm. And um, Instagram and Facebook, it's also just misbehavior training. And then I have a, a membership for people that like to play, like train using games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, because we do a lot of challenges and games and stuff like that. But that can all be found just on my main website, misbehaviortraining.com. Good. That's great. I will link to all of those on the poochparenting.net website. Um, on this episode's little page. Um, I am so excited that I had an, another excuse to talk to you and hang yeah. out with you today. I really appreciate your time. Yes, this was really fun. I lo- always love talking about like, you know, games that you can play and just like fun things you can do with your dog to make it just more fun for everybody because it can feel really stressful. And I understand that this week, especially with the foster puppy, that it's just... There's really no time to yourself, is there? (laughs) Well, and I think the other thing, I think you and I should end on this really important educational note for parents is that puppies are super duper, duper, duper hard. And Mm -hmm. anybody who pretends that they're not so they can sell you a puppy or adopt you a puppy is not being honest. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it because I'm crazy for puppies. I love them, but they are so hard. And so if you have kids, toddlers, babies, and you're thinking about getting a puppy, I just really want you to go in knowing what you're in for so that you're not surprised and then feeling like you're going to pull all your hair out. Yes, so true. I mean, they obviously they make babies and puppies really cute for a reason, right? So it's just that you're really drawn to them. And then it's like, oh, they need me like all the time. Yeah, it's it's intense. It is really hard. So um, these games are a really great way to keep them engaged in a safe way with your kids. All right, my dear, thank you so much. And I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. Please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.